I don't know what it is about Miami, but Syracuse cannot, refuses to, can't do it, just cannot close a close game against the Hurricanes. We're going to talk about another Miami-Syracuse orange loss on Locked On Syracuse. Starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on your Tuesday episode of Locked On Syracuse. Thanks for making it your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Um, this one is is tough. I mean, a bad Syracuse loss in Coral Gables, 82-78, your final. They had a chance at the end. Judah drove inside. He got hacked. Didn't matter. They didn't call anything. And then... Uh, Kane sealed it. Just a really, really tough loss down there in Florida. Um, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. First thing up that I think a lot of uh, a lot of people are going to want us to um, address is Judah's play because he was he was really underwhelming. I mean, one of seven from the floor, one of three from the line, six assists, which was decent, but only three points on the day, four fouls, five turnovers, and a whole lot of me, 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 especially in that last possession uh, where, I, in my opinion, the ball probably should have been in Joe Girard's hands as much as people might not want to hear that and as much as that might come to a surprise. But he hit a three on the previous possession to actually make it a game. I thought that guy should have had the ball in his hands with the chance to tie it or take the lead. Um, but Judah rocked it inside, went up, got hacked, didn't matter, and lost the game pretty much right there. Uh, he was bad today, and there have been flashes this season all throughout of him playing, you know, a little bit selfishly and with the blinders on kind of tunnel vision and thinking that he has to do it all by himself every time down the floor. I don't know what that is inside of him. Maybe it's him trying to prove he's NBA worthy. Maybe he's trying to prove he's the best player on the team. I don't know what, and I might never know. But what I do know is that Syracuse lost, and there was a chance that they wouldn't have if that was different. So, Owen, the question I'm going to pose to you, and you're free to talk about Judah as well, uh, is what do you think? What would you wanted to see uh, on that last possession? I think you nailed it, honestly, and, and it's a scenario where I, I almost think back to to Trevor Cooney and how there would have been sort of that that under, you know, wrap around with a down screen to get him the ball on on the other side coming off a screen, and I think that had to be the play to Gerard there, as you said, you know, he comes off a three, his first three of the game, that previous possession, but I think more so than the fact that he hit the three, it felt like Joe was really playing a, a smart offensive game for the most part, especially in that second half, took care of the ball really well. And I thought his, his linkage with Jesse was really something that was working well and they were sort of building off each other. And I feel like Joe found Jesse a handful of times down the stretch in some Definitely capacity to, yeah, be able to, to have him get his buckets as well. And I think that's sort of what you wanted 
or honestly get Joe the ball from the get-go and play a little two-man game with him and Jesse, I I think could have been the best play. Get him a screen at the top of the arc. And if the three is there, take the three. Um, But you've got Jesse in any capacity off of that, who really, you know, we, we mentioned the size being an advantage and for the most part, the size was an advantage and he was able to walk away with a career high today. And so I think the, that final play had to be with those two, but it just, it felt way too much like Pittsburgh really uh, down the stretch. And obviously Judah plays worse significantly in this game than he did against Pitt. Um, But like, uh, and he played really good against Pitt. I'll I'll give him that too. Um, But he played a terrible game today and it, it just felt the same. Like why is the ball in Judah's hand and only Judah's hand in that situation? Uh, And once again, you know, fails to step up to make that big shot. And I don't want this to be the, you know, Judah can't do that. And Judah can't have the ball in the situation. I don't think that's correct. He could have the given ball. The cir- he can't do that. Yeah, given the circumstance tonight, though, I don't think the ball should be in his hands. And I definitely cannot accept that as what happens. Right? Dribble, dribble, dribble. Put the head down. Tunnel vision. I am shooting the ball here. And it leads to... You know, an inevitable turnover. Was he fouled? Was he not? Oh, well. Uh, but gets his stuff blocked. And, you know, there's it's all history from there. It feels all too similar to the Miami games last year where you were driving the bus the entire game. Uh, and then with a couple of minutes left, Miami says, no, no, we're, 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 we're actually yep, going to take that 100%. goal. Uh, it was way too similar. And it is the worst game Judah Mintz has played at Syracuse without a doubt. Yeah, unequivocally. Uh, and – it is the reason they lost this game without question. It's the reason they lost this game. If you say that Judah tied his worst game of the year, which right now points wise, his worst game was against Bryant with seven points in that game. He had three turnovers. If he plays that game with seven points and three turnovers, Syracuse might win this basketball game. Uh, And that is how much worse this worst game was for him. I'll give him a nod. He distributed the ball decent, got some rebounds today. But I cannot get over the turnovers because of how often they were costly. And I feel like they were getting out in transition so effectively off of Judah turnovers. Like it wasn't, you know, a baseline turnover where you recover on defense. They're top of the key passes getting picked off where you you just have to keep the ball and, and maintain possession far better than that. And another unfortunate thing is, you know, they came down the stretch. They came in important minutes. Saimir was playing a good game uh, and gets subbed out with four minutes left. And I think Syracuse had a four-point lead. And it was downhill from there. Judah comes in, makes a bad decision, turnover, uh, and just doesn't doesn't do it. And it continued down the stretch. And I don't know if, you know, right, you don't necessarily want Saimir in there once you're down because he's not really a scorer by he's any zero means on offense, but he wouldn't have done that. Yeah. But yeah, it, it seemed like the better option because they seemed enough like comfortable enough in that game. And just, you know, having a little bit more veteran in terms of experience, in terms of composure, in terms of the fact that Judah was out of control going to this basket, uh, probably more than a handful of times in this game. And, and that was the difference today. And it hurts because now you've got two ACC losses with Miami and Pitt, where you you're furious and, and you're Both you're pissed off if you're a Syracuse huge, fan. Huge, yeah. Huge. Either of these wins 
if either of these games are wins, I think the outlook is different than right now with both of them being losses. And that is the impact of this game. And I think someone replied to us uh, on Twitter. Let me see if I can give them the shout. If not, I, I, I know you know you tweeted it. So take your credit mentally. This is the circle on the what could be a tournament resume if they if they play some decent basketball. This is the game you look back on. This is a game in that conversation where if you make the tournament, it's because you win this game. And if you fail to make the tournament, it's because you didn't win enough of games like this. And you had a golden chance to do so up a dozen points in the second half. And you couldn't capitalize on it. Just like last year in game one, just like last year in game two against the Hurricanes. They cannot finish games against Miami. Uh, I got two things I want to say. One, um, just going back to what you said about Jesse. I mean, he had an unreal game. The fact that he didn't have a shot uh, to, to change the score at the end of the game is kind of absurd. I mean, Jesse played out of his mind in this game for all of the slack that he's been getting uh, for not being consistent this year. This was one of his best games, 25 points, 11 rebounds. He was awesome. Uh, so, I mean, the fact that he didn't get a chance near the end is a little bit ridiculous. And the other thing is you played incredible defense on their best player. Isaiah Wong got shut down in this game. He was one for eight from the floor. He had nine points thanks to six free throw makes. But still, the guy was shut down. Uh, and the fact that you couldn't take advantage of that, of your great defense, and win this game is honestly a travesty. Uh, and then, you know, when it comes to Joe in that tandem with Jesse, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Joe after the break. But, you know, he didn't he, – he had good moments today, but there were seven threes he left. And that's 21 points, you know. Seven threes he, he missed. You know, so, I mean, this guy's going to be a sharpshooter and, and we're going to get slack from people because we're saying whatever about him. Hit your threes, man. Hit your threes. Just hit two of them. Hit three of them. Don't miss seven of eight. Come on. And they're not all covered. He was open on some of those. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break uh, and then we'll continue on that and we'll head to Twitter to see what the people are talking about. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar, people. Built Bar. Um, if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a built bar. We just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me or you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then you got to try built with built healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your new year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. Now you don't have to order them online. You can go to Walmart or Sam's Club to pick them up. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, Run in and grab a 13-bar box with Hit Flavors, Brownie Batter, and Churro. They'll thank me later. Okay. Back here on Locked On Syracuse. Matt Bonaparte and Owen Valentine with you. Um, before we head to Twitter, let's talk Gerard for a little bit. Um, because he has been the focal point of a lot of conversation this year, mostly for the fact that it is his last season in Orange, most likely. 
Uh, and he is the focal point of the team. The guy took 21 shots today. Jesse took 16 and then kind of tapers off from there. Uh, so JG3, I mean, if you look from the, the basic stats, he had a fine game, 21 points, five assists. But if you look even just a little bit deeper, you'll know it was wildly inefficient. Nine of 21 from the floor, like I already said, he was one for eight from behind the arc. Uh, he made a couple nice passes, like you said, Owen. He set up Jesse a couple times inside for a sweet hammer or two. But end of the day, man, he just didn't get it done for my money. And he did play well. Don't get me wrong. Joe did play well at times, and he made nice plays, and he made good passes, and he hit his mid-range shots, whatever. He played well down the stretch. He made that layup. But he left seven threes. How, am I supposed to ignore that? Come on. Bones, uh, I don't know how much I agree with you here. I, okay. I, I see this right now, and I, I this is me once again, hopelessly optimistic. But I, I do see a lot of positive there. Yes, should he have made more threes? Yes. Did he double doink a miss from three down the stretch? Yes, that thing went in and out, off the backboard, in and out, off the backboard, miss. How does that not fall? He was close a a handful of times. Like, there were really, really close to falling three. Should he have made more than one? Yes. But if you told me at the start of this basketball game or the start of any basketball game that Joe Girard went one for eight from three points, I would have told you he had five points on the day. And he put up 21. He found ways to score today that he doesn't usually and was really effective doing so. And, and I walk away uh, relatively pleased with that. I'm not going to say that I am pleased when he went one for eight from three, but I am also aware that he went eight for 13 from the floor, including some tough shots. Uh, and he was able to, for for the very rare you know, whether you want to call it a solar eclipse, a lunar eclipse, whatever, once in a blue moon scenario, Joe Girard had a size advantage tonight. And he actually took advantage of it. And it was really cool to watch him try and throw together these post moves. Were they the prettiest thing you've ever seen? No. But was he hitting that shot and he had a couple of old fashioned threes? And I think I'm I'm actually more impressed with the fact that he was able to get a scrappy 21 points when his traditional method of scoring was was not there. And maybe you could say he should have taken fewer shots or he should have been more efficient. Yes. But the fact that he was able to grind a 20-plus point performance in an unorthodox method for him, I'm okay with. Um, I would have loved – I'm going back to it. I would have loved to see him touch the ball in the final possession just because of – his ability to penetrate in this game and his ability to work with Jesse and things like that. Oh, I want this game back. I want this game back bones because it was there. It was there for the taking. And they said, no, thanks. We're (laughs) stuffed nine and two in the last 11 is good for us. We don't want this one. And it hurts. And Jim Beheim from replies I'm seeing is taking some shots right now. Well, I was about um, to say we don't we we haven't even mentioned coach, but I think we should just wait for the replies uh, because there's going to be plenty of coach bashing uh, that we'll see here. So how about we jump right into those? Um, all right, uh, and we'll see what the people have to say about this game. 
Ross says this L is squarely on coach's shoulders. The officiating sucked too. Uh, I think that's going to be the general sentiment here is that yeah. people are upset with Bayheim, but at the same time, there were some bad calls in this one. We could talk, we could argue Absolutely. about Joe should have hit more threes or Judah shouldn't have taken that shot. But at the end of the day, I mean, there were some calls Syracuse didn't get that they might have, uh, that they probably should have. Um, Anybody have something specific to say about Coach here? Um, Cole, I always like to fall back on Cole. That's my guy. Uh, Cole. Cole says, another game where we weren't expected to win, but should have won. I'm not blaming the game on the refs, but they did kind of get Miami back in the game with terrible calls. We did definitely have multiple chances to secure the win, though. That's a good mentality right there. Um, Because... You know, I, I'm not a big blame the game on the refs guy either because you could have always done something to put yourself in a better position, make shots or play better defense or whatever it is. Uh, but they did let him back in the game. Um, it was, you know, somebody replied, Connor Lipke replied to Cole and said, being too soft on the officials, they 100% decided the outcome of this game. They have to bet on the games they officiate because their day jobs at Foot Locker aren't paying enough. Oh, that's a burn from Connor. How do you feel about the officiating here, Owen? Oh, bones, bones, bones. It wasn't good. It really wasn't good. Uh, and and I don't uh, – it was bad. I'm actually going <laughs> to switch. I, I, was, I was displeased and frustrated on, uh, on the refs there because it, it felt like they did make the difference. And they really – it was down the stretch, and, and it's the play that I, I go back to. Uh, I don't know how much time was left, but it's the the foul that they called on Taylor uh, for the and one after Joe took what seemed to be a charge or a block or a flop, but it's one of the three, and it needs to be called. And then they call – a, and you sneezed foul for an and one on Justin Taylor. And that was, that was huge and, and turned a ton uh, in terms of momentum. And I'm, I'm trying to find it right now, but I, I can't see um, where the, Oh, here it was with eight minutes left. They were up. Syracuse was up four or six at that point. And that happens. It's a four point game. Then a three point game, right? I think they made the free throw. And it hurt. It really, really hurt. It was a huge impact on that game and this trajectory. And it was two bad calls by the officials. Uh, That's sort of where I had this circled in terms of officiating. I felt like Joe Girard got mauled a few times tonight as well to no call, Um, including the last play. Not that that would have made a difference, but that was assault. Uh, time yeah, that was crazy. Uh, in the second half, he got destroyed. Not that that was a difference, right? But oh my God, did he get lit up? Uh, and he got lit up a handful of times. I, I would have liked to see it, but at the same time, I, I feel like Syracuse got away with a few things in this game as well. Um, so maybe, maybe it was mutually bad, but it does seem like there were a couple of plays that stood out officiating wise in this one that that definitely hurt. Sure. Uh, one more before we move on. Louis says, wouldn't feel as painful if we just beat Colgate and Bryant like we should have. It's a good point, Louis. 
That's a real good point. You win, Louis. They would have felt a lot better right now if they were 14 and 5 rather than 12 and 7. It's a good point from Louis. I won't lie. Um, but, oh, you know, yeah. it's what it is. That's They're simple. Lose bad games. Just how it works. That's simple. That's a great point, though. You think even one of those, right? Maybe you lose the Colgate game and win against Bryant like you're supposed to. And you're like, all right. Right? That, that one game seems like all the difference right now. Uh, yeah, really good point. I, I look at this and I don't think I'm over it and I'm frustrated and I, I don't have my head wrapped around this yet, but it, this was such a frustrating game to be, I'm trying to find the peak here to be up. I know they were up 11. Did they ever get to 12? I don't, I think it was 11 was the cap. We're up 11 points in this basketball game, 11 points in this game with 10 minutes to play or how much long. With 14 to play. They came out of the second half incredibly fast. And that is something they've struggled with all year. And I was so excited to say, hey, they came out in the second half from the get-go, ready to play. That was the difference, right? They hit Jesse with the alley-oop seconds into the 2-H. That's what you're looking for. Uh, you think back to the last loss that they had uh, against Virginia. And what was the issue, right? Them starting both halves, 24-2, to I think, or 23-2. to or 21 to two, I think was the actual, was 21 two in the first four minutes of both halves against Virginia. They gave themselves these holes. And this second half, I was so excited. And it just dwindled and it dwindled and it dwindled. And then Judah subs back in with foreign change and, and all hell broke loose. In all honesty, there was no game control from Syracuse. Things were, were just, wheels were falling off and then engines started to set a flame. And then someone poured kerosene on there. And this thing went kaboom real fast down the stretch there. And it is it is so frustrating because of the momentum that was being built and still is being built. I'm not saying you can't build off of a performance like this because there was a lot to be excited about um, throughout this game. I'll give them that. But there was so much building and so much momentum you know, accumulating. And this really hurts because of what this win would have meant in terms of looking ahead and what this team has done and the strides that they're making. This would have been such a nice, I guess, exclamation point on the last few weeks because of the team that Miami is, the success that they've had. In a down ACC year, this is the second best team in terms of national ranking the ACC has to offer. And for Syracuse to be in this game and controlling this game and ready to win this game, it's incredibly frustrating to see them fall short in the manner that they fell short with the exact same finish to Pitt, where it is Judah Mintz trying to do something down the stretch and losing the basketball. Yeah, man. Well put. Um, I just want to remind you as well that this is the beginning of a five-game gauntlet that Syracuse has in front of it uh, started in Miami tonight. Well, tomorrow, yesterday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, and then it's Georgia tech on Saturday. And then the following Tuesday, by the way, Georgia tech beat Miami. So there's that. And we're at Georgia tech. Uh, and then you go back home to the dome against North Carolina on the Tuesday. And then that Saturday you're down at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia, to take on Virginia Tech, then back home to take on Virginia again. So the next four games are not easy ones. None of them are easy games. 
there, but that being said, they're all opportunities to kind of wipe away the pain of this game. And if you even win two of those games, let's talk about this. How many of these games, what record in the next four games would you be pleased with? Two and two? Would you be ecstatic? Well, I mean, I remember we got asked this question, um, I think, before Virginia Tech. And I said three and three would very much be a win in this stretch. So oh, I guess right. given the one and one start, uh, oh. two and two, two oh, and two okay. would be a success. Uh, granted, like if we were looking at that six game stretch and I said three and three, if they're one and one right now in that stretch, then two and two would work. Uh, but you, you got to split these two games, really. Like it is, it's here, so yeah. incredibly important to be able to grab those two wins. I don't care who it comes against, honestly. And you mean three wins would be huge. But I think for Georgia Tech, and do you get the season sweep against VT? I don't know. That would be um, big. UNC, I look at it as a matchup nightmare. Um, and, and Virginia, opportunity. Yeah, true. But I look at UNC as a nightmare, and I, I don't know what we can do against Virginia this time around that would, you know, be that success. So it's, it's gotta be VT and Georgia tech, uh, knowing Syracuse, they lose to Georgia tech and they beat UNC, but that is, that is not what I would predict to happen or anticipate happening. Uh, it's, it's this, Oh my God, to be two and zero in this six game stretch two and Oh, Oh, that would be huge. That would be huge because you go two and two from there and you go four and two in this stretch. And I think this fan base is beyond pleased. But now it's a much more difficult situation. And it it is it's a tough stretch to make up for this. And that's tough. I don't know where. My confidence sits right now. I I sort of where I'm looking and I I don't know where it falls. It's it's definitely conflicted. Because there was a lot in terms of this game that I was like, all right, confidence should be rising. But that end just, there's such a sour taste in my mouth. And maybe worse than sour. It's like you took, I don't know, a lemon and then put the hottest of hot sauces on there and then dunked it in toilet water. That's the sort of flavor that I got right now. That's how nasty this feels. Even with the the success from early on, I this this feels terrible. And I can't make a rational decision in terms of confidence until I, I let this simmer a little bit. All right. Well, maybe we'll get an update on Owen's confidence tomorrow. But for now, thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today. Go make Lockdown College Basketball your second. Isaac Shad and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the basketball court. Hear from big name experts, coaches, and players as well. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's Owen Valentine. We'll see you later.